You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so does not cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, there were a couple of things of interest that I thought I would discuss. Uh, We'll talk about the LA Kings game over the weekend very briefly, and then we'll talk about tonight's game against the Oilers. Before we talk about the Jets, though, there was one very stunning piece of information that came out today and seemingly happened in very short order, and it is that the... uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins are getting bought out by Fenway Sports Group, which, if you're not familiar, they own the Red Sox, and they also own Liverpool FC of the Premier League. I think they have a few other properties and sports franchises, but I'm not super familiar with their entire lineup of of holdings. Obviously, the Pens would be one of the biggest that they've acquired recently. Not on the level of buying Liverpool or anything like that, but certainly not super far off either. So, very impressive acquisition. And you might ask yourself why this is happening, and that's kind of where, in my mind, things start to take a bit of a darker turn. To be honest, I I feel like they're getting out of the ownership because Pittsburgh might be embroiled in an upcoming scandal case um, involving, of course, the Scaldi family and uh, some of the Pittsburgh Penguins' former staff, so it's it's been a bit of a messy situation. You can find uh, more information on the case online. Obviously, content warning, it is a sexual assault case, so just be aware, but uh, the details haven't been great, and obviously there were some pen- pending litigation situations, some of which actually just resolved today. And I feel like that at least has something to do with ownership deciding to sell now, because it sounded like the deal, at least publicly speaking, came together very quickly. I don't think it was that rapid. I think it's been a process that has been ongoing for some time. But with all of the stuff that's about to break, that might be why the team is starting to shift hands a bit. We'll keep tabs on the situation and see what happens. It's obviously a massive shock, and I don't think anyone was really anticipating it happening now. It is at least a minimum of $750 million, but I would imagine it's going to be more. It sounds like Fenway Sports Group was willing to bid higher than the basic uh, entry point for acquiring an existing franchise. The details still aren't publicly known about the sale, but we will know more over the next couple of days, I'm sure. This is, again, a very surprising move. I didn't really expect it to happen, but, you know, I, I guess if uh, Fenway is really looking to branch out into all these sports... They can give the Penguins significant resources to do any sort of hiring or overhauls that they think are necessary. I don't know how much is going to change day-to-day in terms of operations, but maybe they start to change out some of the staff. I don't really know. It's going to be very interesting to watch. My guess is Fenway will allow things to go on for the time being, but we will probably see, at least somewhere, some staff turnover. I'll give further updates on the situation as they develop, but for now, I did want to kind of transition to talking about the Winnipeg Jets and some of the stuff that happened maybe over the weekend against the LA Kings. This was a game that I think uh, at least a couple of you probably did not see. And truth be told, you didn't really miss much. LA didn't really do anything, and neither did the Jets, in all fairness. It was a very slow game. 
Um, LA kind of got a couple of squeaky goals through. They were in the lead for most of the game, uh, up 2-1, and then the Jets ended up tying it on a shorthanded goal from Dylan DeMello, which that is actually his first goal as a Jets player. I think the most funny thing about the whole situation was that Logan Stanley was also on the PK as DeMello's pairing partner, and he was being uh, physically hassled by another King skater and somehow just blindly passed the puck out of the zone up the ice, which... You can kind of understand he probably felt like there was no one there behind him. And all of a sudden, Andrew Kopp had the puck um, and received the pass. It was basically a pass uh, that just kind of cut right through the neutral zone. Kopp leads a nice counter up the ice and then finds DeMello, who is trailing, and just sort of tucks it past, I think it was Cal Peterson in net. After that, the Jets then force overtime and won thanks to Shifley. And what was kind of interesting about this particular OT win was that the Jets did it in very quick fashion thanks to there being a three-forward rotation to start the overtime period. This is something that the Jets had done previously in other seasons. They hadn't used it this year, but Maurice briefly alluded maybe earlier this week or, or last week that he did want to kind of turn to it more often. And then, of course, they actually use it. And guess what? They won. What's kind of funny about Shifley being the one-to-one time the goal home was that this game, he actually really struggled. I felt like the uh, the defensive efforts and stuff that we've been at least accustomed to lately from him, they weren't really present. In fact, I felt like he was ghosting for most of the game. And until the very last second when the Jets needed him most, Shifley wasn't really showing up. Unlike normal, I'm not really going to get too upset about that performance. I feel like you're going to have off games. It's not like he's been poor this year. In general, I think his effort levels and stuff have actually been pretty darn good. You can see him doing all of the right things to get goals and points. It just hasn't worked out for him for some reason, partly because of his line construction, but also him just being very unlucky. I think he's still kind of rounding into form, but you know, this is one of those games where he really needed that, that goal to kind of maybe get the monkey off the back, and uh, I'm sure it was extra sweet being the overtime winner to get the Jets both points. The Kings team that they played, I, I wouldn't say is great, but LA was on a seven-game win streak, and when you see how they don't really do a lot, but they also concede very few opportunities, you can kind of understand why it's been a bit of a pain to actually score against them. They just don't concede many goals. Uh, the goaltending has been pretty decent. The team defensive structure is is rock-solid, you know, they might not score a lot of goals, uh, but certainly they can stifle their opponents. And I feel like they did a very good job of shutting down most of Winnipeg's rush counters and stuff. All of that made it very interesting to see how the Jets would fare against a team like the Oilers, who are a lot more open. Uh, Winnipeg had a couple of days off and had time to kind of collect their thoughts and get ready. This Oilers team has been one of the top performers in the NHL, especially offensively. The defense and goaltending may be a little bit suspect but you really can't bet against McDavid and uh, this forward lineup. We'll find out how the Jets fared against Edmonton in just a moment, but before we get too much further, I wanted to let you know a little bit about DirecTV streaming and why you should make them your preferred multimedia streaming platform. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. 
Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible with device required. Content varies by package. Go to directtv.com for more information. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. On tonight's podcast, of course, we uh, we talked a little bit about some of the updates from today and, and certainly Winnipeg's game against the Kings over the weekend, which uh, it, it was a win. It wasn't like a pretty game, I wouldn't say, but hey, uh, a win is a win, I guess. But tonight, the Jets welcomed a new challenger in the Oilers, which they I don't know if they've actually played this year. Um, Edmonton, over the past season, has generally, well, they've generally been the better team against the Jets, uh, even though their like, playoff sweep would make you think the Jets were the more dominant squad. On ice, it doesn't really bear that out. It's more like the Jets just had great goaltending and really good shooting percentages. So I was curious to know how the Jets would fare tonight. Uh, this is a very different Oilers team than Winnipeg last faced. Uh, that team was nowhere near as good offensively and as deep as this team is. Edmonton finally added real weapons, and I think McDavid is going to get true support this year. Of course, though, Winnipeg often has a way of subverting my expectations in many ways, and uh, immediately, right off the face-off, the Jets got a beautiful goal. I I say beautiful very sarcastically. Adam Lowry had a breakaway off of a forced turnover in the neutral zone, and he basically just sort of, I don't know, he wristed it from like 10, 12 feet out, and I don't know if Koskinen just sort of missed it, Uh, but it leaks through him and actually just sort of slid over the line. Um, And if you've ever shot a puck in, like, the NHL video games, you know that sometimes the goalie animations are super weird. They, like, flip over and watch the puck slide across the goal line. Well, that's what Koskinen did. And for, like, the first two periods, I think that that sort of set the tone for the entire game. Winnipeg kind of took the Oilers to task, which I didn't really expect. I thought Winnipeg would be good, but I didn't think they would basically dominate the Oilers, especially offensively. Uh, Edmonton's defense has generally been not great, but also not as terrible as I thought it would be, and yet tonight the Jets were just carving them up in the slot. Uh, Honestly, Edmonton's defense made tons of really sloppy turnovers. I thought that some of their passes were poor. Uh, Winnipeg was winning second man battles and stuff, winning the puck back in physical challenges. Just not the kind of stuff that I would expect from a Dave Tippett team. He's usually very funny about puck security and stuff like that, so this was very bad from Edmonton. I thought that they gave the Jets tons of time and space. You know, Winnipeg had a couple of power plays, and, you know, Edmonton's PK unit looked a lot like the Jets, where there wasn't a lot of aggression, and oftentimes when Edmonton sort of retreated to that central slot area, they gave a ton of time to Winnipeg's wingers, uh, or even Josh Morrissey on that right faceoff circle, and it just gave the Jets tons of really dangerous opportunities. Honestly, Miko Koskinen had to bail the Oilers out multiple times, and yet, even after 40 minutes, it was still 4-0 Jets. Ehlers had a goal, it was a nice slap shot from the left faceoff circle that just sort of beat Koskinen cleanly over the shoulder. I was actually very surprised it went in. There was kind of a, a sketchy play in the neutral zone just a minute earlier with Mark Shifley. Maybe Winnipeg got away with something. Shifley got tied up with Ryan in the neutral zone right at Edmonton's blue line. It was hard to tell if anything actually happened, but Ryan went down kind of awkwardly, so not great for the Oilers. Um, And then Ehlers got the puck and just sort of slapped it home. It seemed like no one was really prepared. I think everyone was temporarily distracted by Ryan. And just like that, the Oilers are down 2-0. And then things go from bad to worse when Dreisaitl took a double minor, which, you know, this was kind of like a silly double minor. It was a little bit unlucky, but... You gotta call the rules the way they are. 
And uh, I think Drysaddle probably drew blood against Harkins with a very high stick. He was going to have to get a penalty anyways because he did cross-check uh, maybe Lowry in the face or something like that. I forget who it was, but it was a pretty nasty play. And the stick ended up actually thwacking somebody else across the face, and that's where he got the double minor. So Edmonton just kind of seemed very helter-skelter. And you could kind of tell, especially after the first of the double minors got served, Edmonton was running out of time and energy. And Pierre-Luc Dubois got a great heads-up pass from Josh Morrissey cutting down the central slot area and just tipped it home to make it 3-0. As if things couldn't possibly get worse as the Jets were pummeling Edmonton in the offensive zone, Mark Shifley then added his second goal of the season, his second in consecutive games, from a nice-tipped Logan Stanley point shot. Now, I will say that the Oilers had a couple of dangerous shifts here and there. Uh, occasionally, Hellebuck had to make some stunning, stunning saves. There was one that was a McDavid rush, I don't know who the other right winger was, but it was a two-on-one, and somehow, I don't know, um, you know, Hellebuck made a great, great save. Might have been on the penalty kill, and then right after that, Cop actually collected the puck and created a nice breakaway shorthanded opportunity the other way. Cop actually had a couple of really good shorthanded chances, almost scored on both of them, but just could not get away uh, enough from McDavid to really get that angle in and tuck the puck home past Koskinen. Koskinen, I mean, he was just under siege the whole game. So overall, I would just say a really impressive performance. You could argue that the Jets maybe got lucky not conceding one or two here and there, but overall, you have to really like the effort. I thought the Jets were just super dangerous. They looked very good in transition. They were physically aggressive. They didn't let off the gas. This is something that the Jets have traditionally not been great with. You know, when they get a lead, even two to three goals, they start sitting back. And there was a moment after the third goal where I kind of thought the Jets were maybe letting up just a little bit. They were a bit casual with some of the passes and stuff. But, you know, against the Oilers that weren't really generating too many dangerous chances and with some really strong defensive efforts and backtracking and stuff, it's hard to really be upset. I think Winnipeg did a pretty great job against a team that, frankly, has the ability to score six against you very quickly. So, you know, through two periods, 4 nothing lead, pretty dominant game so far, very different than the playoffs last year. I'm actually impressed. Uh, and I guess my question was, how would the Jets finish this one out? Would they actually just kind of sit back and let Edmonton try for uh, a game-chasing opportunity, or would they keep the pressure on? I was kind of leaning towards a mixture of both, but you never can tell with Winnipeg. We'll see how they fare in the third period in just a moment. Before we check in on the closing shifts of this game and give our final thoughts, I did want to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. So start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's show with some thoughts on uh, Winnipeg versus Edmonton. This game ended up finishing 5-2 after a 4-0 start. Obviously, Edmonton wasn't going to remain scoreless for the entire game. Was going to be pretty lucky if they did. Thought they had a couple of really good scoring looks. And then finally, they ended up breaking uh, the scoreless end of their bargain with a couple of power play goals. Wasn't really great, not much Hellebuck could do, and the Jets actually did start to cede a bit of pressure, and and certainly Edmonton was pushing the pedal to the metal, but I will say that Winnipeg, I felt, throughout the rest of the period, was still very aggressive. I thought that they really tried to do a good job of disrupting the Oilers, a couple of really critical defensive plays, some great saves. It wasn't like the Jets were sitting back and just waiting for things to happen. This has kind of been more of the hallmark of the past couple of years when they have a lead they don't really push uh, they don't push the advantage they don't try to keep it they just sort of sit back and play prevent which doesn't really work when you're facing players like McDavid and Dreisaitl I mean you just can't sit back and allow them space to work because if you give them anything they'll take a mile so a nice effort there Kyle Connor added the fifth goal on an empty netter which is the first time uh, Shifley and company haven't been the ones to score that empty netter instead. Usually we joke about Jets scoring empty netters, but KFC actually earned this one. I mean, he was just everywhere tonight, and I thought he had a really good game. In fact, I will say a couple of things. I think Shifley was pretty good. I thought Wheeler looked very good, like a, more like his old self. Obviously, he's still not 100%, and, and you can tell that age is caught up to him, but every once in a while you will get these games where He shows flashes of what made him such a dangerous player in his prime. He was good. Dubois was awesome. I thought PLD had a fantastic night. Josh Morrissey looked pretty good as well. Um, Pionk and and, uh, Brendan Dillon actually looked pretty capable. It was a really good team effort, but if I have to choose like one star on the night, this one's really difficult because I think there are a couple of really good candidates. Dubois is obviously one of them. You could also argue uh, Adam Lowry was fantastic. Uh, Andrew Kopp was also very good. I guess my vote would be Connor Hellebuck, maybe? I thought Hellebuck was brilliant tonight. He made incredible stops. I thought that he did a great job of stonewalling some of Edmonton's best chances, and really he was one of the main reasons that the Oilers just weren't really converting on the very few chances that they were able to create. I know the shot clock will look pretty bad, but I think for the most part the Jets forced Edmonton into not really great high-danger chances, uh, it was often like, you know, shots from distance and deflections and stuff, which, you know, that will test the Jets here and there, but it's not like it's not like Winnipeg where they were uh, ripping up Edmonton slot defense. It was only late when the Oilers started to really cut into that area in front of Heli. They had some really good chances. But overall, I mean, you just have to say that the effort from Winnipeg was good. And I think one thing I've, I've, I've mentioned on Twitter, but I'll, I'll reiterate here, is I think this team for me has a level of grit and persistence that feels a bit different from years past. Oftentimes with the Jets, we kind of see them flake out on plays. We don't see them make that second effort to force turnovers, to really shield the puck, to make that extra leg and effort to win that battle, right? That decisive moment. And it's cost Winnipeg time and time again. It's starting to feel like this team is reversing that trend. They've been really doggedly persistent and aggressive. And it's not like it happens every game. But for the most part, I feel like the past several games have been really strong team efforts. It's important to see that from this Jets team because they don't have many years left where the score is going to be this good. So they need to make as much noise as they can while everyone is still together. And oh, by the way, they might just be the best team in the Central Division. 
This year, I think the Central is going to be weaker. It doesn't seem like it's nearly as stiff as it was previously, but it's still a strong division. Um, and the Jets being at the top, it's not really... I wouldn't say it's one of those things where the Jets just sort of happen to find themselves up there. Winnipeg legitimately is good, and I think that that's starting to be one of the more predominant narratives with the squad. It's taken a bit for them to start to gel, and there will still be defensive lapses, and the PK is still an issue, but overall, I think this team might be pretty real. I've said it before on the podcast that I thought Winnipeg was starting to show some legit signs of being a real contender, but this is the first sustained streak where I think you can start being optimistic. On paper, the changes should have been that way when they made their off-season moves, but even then you kind of wondered how much of it would actually come to fruition and if the coaching and, and systems that they often employ would be a hindrance, but so far, the Jets seem to be cruising. They've got back-to-backs on Thursday and Friday, so we'll keep an eye out for those games and see how Winnipeg responds with another game against the Oilers, this one on the road. I think it's going to be a fun competitive outing, but we'll find out soon enough. For tonight's podcast, though, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets. They're your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Go follow and subscribe to Locked on Bets right now. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.